things girlfriends share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? All right, welcome. Are you approaching 2021 with a vision or with a sense of fear or perhaps even apathy? Uh, We hope and pray you will have some clarity in your vision after you listen to today's show. So welcome to 2021. And we've been sitting here talking about 2020. We're we're ready to get rid of it. But I think that there was some great things that have that happened in 2020, right? We have to look at that part of it. Yeah. Of course, there's some good things. I started um, I started doing yoga, and so I can do downward dog, and you know, <laughs> you know, that's awesome. So that's good. That's been my goal, Sherry, for a long time, is to be able to do downward dog. Can't, well, can't say I, I've ever heard of that. I can do downward dog. I just can't get back up from it. <laughs> right? I just can't get back you up. turn into exploding kittens, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I started a whole new business this year. And um, so I wouldn't have done it if it hadn't been for 2020. I did took my business online, and it's the best thing I've ever done. So 2020 yeah. has had some good stuff. Yeah. Right, and we bought, we bought a wonderful home in a great neighborhood and moved in, and it just has been amazing to meet new neighbors and have impact and ride your bike to a restaurant, and so it's been fun. Yeah, and that's the thing is to look at um, it's it's all in perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I know for me, 2020, I had so many plans and I had this huge vision, and the last couple words. The last couple of years, my word for the year has been being intentional, which I think a lot of us, that's been a, you know, being intentional. And with the pandemic, it turned all of your vision kind of upside down. But what was interesting is that you reinvented the vision. And I know for me, I started out 2020 having um, <clears throat> vision problems, literally, and had booked Mayo Clinic because they were going to figure out why I was losing my eyesight. And uh, then the pandemic hit and I couldn't keep my my appointment at the Mayo Clinic. So it just continuously, the vision kind of left. There was no restoration. And so with that, it kind of turned my vision upside down because instead of traveling and training in different um, companies, I was doing it on Zoom and they said the worst thing you can do for your vision is to stare at a computer all day long. So it it was um, bizarre. And now this year with 2021, I once again, I'm really excited about having a fabulous vision. And it's weird because I feel like this renewal, I don't know if you guys feel that way, but like you're rejuvenated and it there's just this fresh perspective on it. And so my word now is focus. That's my my word for the year. Uh, so as we go through January on our podcast, I want to talk more about that. Like, how do we stay more focused 
and what does that strong vision look like as well as setting up different systems in place. So I've been reading like crazy. Uh, Warren Buffett says to read 500 pages a day. Wow. Um, oh I know. <laughs> I haven't read 500 pages in a year. Yeah. <laughs> I literally have not. Yeah, I wonder why that is that we have just kind of removed ourselves from reading that much. When, you know, I, I heard one time, instead of reading books, we read Facebook. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, that we're dumbing ourselves down even more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Vice so focused on, on social media, but having that focus, being able to um, have that compass or your, your GPS set to focus on the right thing. And I have a funny story when the, I, the GPS kind of had just come out and, or at least in my world, it had just come out. So we, uh, I was with my sister, my bestie, Kathy, and my bestie, Lisa Jernigan. And we were asked to go speak in the federal prisons in Texas. And we had just, the, the rental car had the GPS in it. And so we put in the address and it was, we were lacking like one number. It might've been East or South or something like that. But we found ourselves wandering around in this uh, area that was a bad part of town. And finally a policeman pulled us over and said, uh, ladies, what, what are you doing here? Apparently we looked out, out of place and we explained we were speaking at the prison and, you know, we went through, um, for whatever reason, when people ask me a question, I don't know if you guys get this way, but my mom comes out where, you know, like at Starbucks, they say, how are you today? And you tell them your whole story and, you know, <laughs> and they just wanted you to say hi. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay, there's a line now, so let's just yeah. get on with it. And you're like, oh, I don't know what happened. Nylon just came out of my, my mouth. And I start. so that's kind of what happened. We, we became best friends with this police officer, but he had to escort us back to the freeway and we had to reset our GPS, refocus uh, and move forward. And I'll never forget that story because I always make sure now when I'm putting in my, my GPS that you're looking at the east, west, west south whatever and yet in my own life i'm not doing that you know you have this gps but you keep turning off and making these little side rides and i would say what what is your number one thing like if you were to change for 2021 how would you refocus because for me my number one thing is i want to stop going down rabbit trails, I start doing research and I'll spend hours looking at articles or going down, you know, and the next thing I'm on Amazon, like, how does that happen? <laughs> One little article will all of a sudden go, look, these twins are the best story ever. And then I'm on Amazon buying whatever those twins sold. So what is your thing where you need to get your GPS set? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I signed up. This is just true confession. I signed up for some classes um, to be a better uh, person on my new Apple Mac computer. So um, I'm starting on Monday. <laughs> Sherry, you know what? I'm impressed with that. I can't tell you how many times my kids have said, Mom, take a class. Because I'm always calling them going, hey, how come when I ask Suri, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, take a Mac class. Take a Mac class. 
-hmm. So you might start teaching us for part yeah. of 2021, like a five minute. Everybody thinks the girlfriend it is IT. So maybe, just maybe, you're going to do a five minute IT. Maybe we really are. Sherry, do you already have your outfit picked out for your first dance? <laughs> so I'm going to wear my hot pink, um, you know, blouse with yeah. my... Uh, yeah, I'm all excited. I'm, uh, so it's close to my house here, and I've already get this. I'm so nervous. I've already done a little reconnaissance. I drove there while the place was closed. I'm like, okay, what is this place? Okay, it looks normal. Okay, there's desks. I've, I've gone on their website multiple times. I'm like, okay. So what it is, here's the cool thing. It's called Gen Tech. So it's the youngers teaching the olders. Yes, it's like college it. kids from GCU teaching all of us like how and they say you can bring in any electronic device you have bring in your questions like oh dear god you have no idea what you've just opened up i mean i will be there for hours because yeah, <laughs> we can give you the questions too right because i just got a new apple watch, apple watch. and and kevin was he was so cute he he put it in my stocking and all the kids were there and i'm unwrapping it and he was just so excited and don't tell him. I'm like, are you kidding me? I have, I can't even figure out all the other iPads and Macs and everything. Exactly. And now I have to figure out this. <laughs> and with your, with your excellent vision, you can see it so well, can't you, Patty? <laughs> and the last thing I want to do is is have people be able to contact me at that. You know, I'm already at everybody's beck and call. And now they go, I know you have an Apple Watch. I know you're getting more messages. <laughs> well, now they do. Um, yeah, now they do. For me, I think my uh, my biggest area where I need to focus is uh, social media because my business is on social media. But then I go, huh, I wonder what that girl from sixth grade's doing today. You know, <laughs> so she talks about her sister and then I need to, you know, Click on her sister to see what her sister looks like. And does she have children now? I am a nut job about, I need to know everything about everybody. So, it, you know, if somebody says I'm in a relationship, I immediately got to go to the other person's page and see what he looks like. What does his mother look like? How are they nice people? Um, so, yeah, I'm on every social media rabbit trail there is. So I have got to focus because I will do that. And then all of a sudden I'll go, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for an hour and a half. Like I've just completely lost an hour and a half of my day. Yeah. So, yeah. Focus. It's amazing I, how quickly that happens. So fast. So I need to just stay focused on my business, not worry about what, you know, anybody else is doing, which will be so hard for me. <laughs> well, I, 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 I want to add to that because uh, I, I feel like a lot of the people that I coach they they say exactly what you're saying and so one of the tips is to only put it on your calendar certain certain times right that i can go onto social media when and you stack it like i can go on onto social media when i go to the dentist's office or when i'm sitting there at a doctor's appointment or when i'm waiting for a you know a zoom call there a five minute break here and I wonder what that, because that's what I'm going to try and do. I'm not a big social media person. I don't, that's not where, that's not my chocolate, you yeah. know, but I, I hear that over and over again. And I want to add, 
and and Christette, you didn't get a chance to talk about. So go ahead, Christette, because I, I have a, a 525 rule I want to add to that. So, oh. well, I was just going to comment. I, I think a common thread here with this all is the um, the squirrel effect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so easy to get you know refocused or redirected and and to bring us all back. I love that word focus. My word is actually grace, but. Um, I, I just want to finish well. I, I feel like I can start really good and I don't finish well. Like I, I don't get back on track. I love, you know, I, I mean, I love being organized. I want to be organized and I start out really good and then I, I'm a squirrel and, yeah. and then it's so easy to get off track. And so I really want to learn how to um, get back on track and not like beat myself up about it. Like it's okay. Let's just start over. Let's get back here and, you know, um, and stick to my plan. Like, I am yeah. not a very consistent plan. As I shared earlier, I'm like, oh, you want to have lunch? Oh, sure. I don't need to stay home and work on cabbie. Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. rather go to lunch. Yeah. I need to be more disciplined. Mm. Um, and that that's the thing. It, the question is, do we need to be more disciplined or do we not have the right system in place? Because we should be able to go out to have fun you know we should plan it sh fun should be natural in our day or I, I know for me if I don't have fun every day it it puts me in a funk without fun it's funk word <laughs> 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 it's translated okay by the time it goes through. so the the 525 uh, rule it came from Warren Buffett which I found out I this was a rule, I don't know, about two or three years ago I, I heard about. And what you do is you take the top 25 things. And as a matter of fact, we can post this. So you can go to the Girlfriend at Facebook page and get some of, of these, uh, a cheat sheet, basically. But list your top 25, like, career goals or, or whatever you value, whatever, you know, we did our what do you value. So you can even take those four or five things that you value and then list things off of the the value page and you know pray about it ask god for clarity and what are these top 25 things that your highest priorities that you need to focus on then out of the 25 you only circle the top five so the highest top five priorities you cross out all the other 20 goals that you listed and those are obviously less important. And this is the killer. You only do the top five. Mm -hmm. And that gives you uh, clarity and it gives you focus. So if in that top five, you have on there that your relationships, which that's us, right? Our whole, we want to leave that, that relationship legacy. Mm -hmm. Then instead of feeling bad about that, Krista, that, oh yeah, I'm going to go to lunch. It's like, no. That is on my top five, and that is part mm -hmm. of who I am, and I, I prioritize that. I and that. so mm -hmm. getting this other stuff done um, wasn't as much of a priority. And mm -hmm. then you work off of three tasks a day. Saying, hold on, Patty. What I hear you saying is if it's not a priority, if it's not something we love, then we shouldn't have to focus on it like social media posting. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Okay. And, and that I feel like even we earlier this morning, we, we were talking about that and we kind of took care of that. Like, okay, if it doesn't bring you joy, 
and you don't feel like this is moving you forward, then we have to weigh it, touch it, feel it, and eliminate it, okay? So the concept is with the 525 rule, it's just an example of how simplicity uh, makes life better and easier mm. if you're doing more of what matters. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that if we focus on that and you start, I know for me, I made my my 25 list and it, it was it was really funny mm. when I really want to challenge you guys to do it because and okay. and the 25 there's so many things like you just can't even like give us you know. an idea of what's on your yeah. list like right so I have a better concept give us more details and more scoop we need way more scoop no. <laughs> okay um I I should have I should have known that you guys would would do that to me because now I <laughs> sexy time with kevin is that what we're looking for (laughs) that you know what that's in there saran wrap the whole thing um i really do think you have to schedule that fun if you value that because okay so here here are some of them okay um becoming a more intentional relational coach for women leaders I kind of put that aside and I don't focus on doing that because even though it's it's powerful to me, I end up saying yes to companies, even though, and I hope companies aren't listening to this because it doesn't bring me joy, right? Yeah. Because the whole Zoom thing, I'm not face-to-face. When I'm one-on-one on Zoom, it's totally different than when you're just talking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and... With that, I spend two to three hours a day reading and doing research Mm. on leadership that I would love to pour into one-on-one coaching rather than, so Mm. the part I love to do is the research, Mm. and yet I'm not following through with conveying that information to that personal level where you can see the transformation. You're just kind of throwing it up on people, numbers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, becoming a parenting or a mediator coach. I have a huge passion on helping um, parents mediate, especially when kids are involved. And I feel like if they had a mediator versus an attorney, mm-hmm. it wouldn't it wouldn't be so horrible for the kids. So where that came from, I don't know. I I don't have these prioritized yet. They just this is just dreaming. Um, write a book by the end of 2021. Um, Tyndale, I mentioned to you guys that they had offered $7,000. They sent all kinds of beautiful things. <laughs> and, you know, three years later, because of the perfectionist that I didn't know I had in me, um, I, I let that go. And now it bothers me that I had that opportunity. I let it go. So I'd like to get back on that. Mm-hmm. Um Exercise is a priority. It's not something that I I have to have discipline to do because if I don't do it, it puts me in that funk again. So that I found that interesting. What what is a priority? Some things you don't even have to put on your list because it's just a part of of what you do in you are. Anyway. Uh, and then I'm gonna give you one more because I don't want to read all 25 or we're gonna be here forever. <laughs> But I put avoid time sucks. This is actually a hard goal. 
for me to achieve as it's just stuff not to do. I will keep a list of the, of the most common catastrophic mistakes, the mistakes that seem too frequently rock otherwise successful people. Um, and that is things like what you were saying, Debbie, social media, where, where should we be focusing? Perhaps it's on LinkedIn and not Instagram, not Facebook, uh, not Twitter, some of these that you're you're putting in, but there's no traction. You're not really creating that community. And if relationships are important and there's no relationship taking place, it's just you yeah. putting it out there. What does yeah. that, that look like? Um, I also put on here removing all notifications. So do you guys get notifications on your phone when? Uh, some. some. <clears throat> and I don't know how I signed up for them, but... <laughs> Now that I have an Apple Watch, I do not want any notification oh, yeah. on my phone. So that goes back to plan it where, okay, I'm going to plan 15 minutes that I can go on rather than having these notifications um, pop up. Too tempting to browse during my prime time. Mm -hmm. So your prime time is when you can, you do your big nuggets, you do your big projects. Mm -hmm. My prime time is right around 9 to 11 in the morning. That's when I do my my best work. Mm -hmm. So making sure that all your notifications on your computer, on your cell phone, everything is turned off mm -hmm. because they say it takes seven minutes to go when you're multitasking to mm -hmm. go from looking at boom. What was that notification? What was that email or what was that message mm -hmm. to then going back into your your project? Isn't that bizarre? Wow. Yes. Patty, what you just said, like completely resonated with me. You basically, what I heard you say is what is my most productive time of the day? And that is when I should be doing my highest priority. Can I just tell you, laying in bed in the morning is my favorite thing in the whole world to just scroll through Facebook or Instagram, just see what's going on with everybody, check all my emails. But do you know when I get up like I did this morning and just get to work, I've already done two of my own videos for my new business. Wow. Wow. Since six o'clock this morning, it is my wow. most productive time and I'm wasting it every day. Thank you for that. It's probably the best piece of uh, girlfriend wisdom you've ever given me. <laughs> wow, Patty. Hey, I want to tell you on that, what happens to you, and this is research, but I don't know where that it's, let's just say it's from Harvard. Cause you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Harvard. Yes. Well, well, you are, uh, yes. We are too, Patty. We are Harvard yeah. girls too, yeah. whatever. So, it's, spelled, it's spelled differently in my world, but yeah. <laughs> so it, there is proven research that when you do not get out of bed, when you just sit there and scroll and you enjoy that time, uh, you are telling your brain that I, my life needs to be on snooze. So if you don't wake up, like as soon as you get out of bed and you go for it. So people that, um, they, you set your alarm for another 15 minutes and you keep pushing snooze. You're literally, cause your brain has a mind of its own. It's saying, I don't want to do this day. I don't want to see what God has. Yeah. provided for me. I don't want to be on this adventure. And so you're already putting your mind in a funk. Mm -hmm. Isn't that mm -hmm. interesting? That is interesting. And do you know, Cindy Crawford, her number one beauty tip is when your body wakes you up, no matter what time it is, get yeah. up and wow. stay up. And I always thought that was interesting, but unfortunately my body wakes me up at like 1 a.m. Yeah. And I'm yeah. to take on the world at 1 a.m. yet. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, okay. The last one I, uh, is to sit on a company board. I like being on boards. It's fun and you meet great people, but need to be cautious on how many things I say yes to on the board. Uh, I'm on Grand Canyons right now. And I don't plan on on leaving it. And I would only be on one board at a time because it really is time consuming because it's one more meeting and other people that you're connecting with. And then they ask you to do five different things. But so those were my top. Uh, but like I said, I have 25 and the, I, I didn't prioritize them yet. So you know what? Here, though? I just didn't ask to be on the Mac board. The yeah. Mac board. <laughs> I will. My little Apple Watch is going to get me there. Right. Carrie. Carrie's going to be there. Go ahead, Chris. I Jess. wanted to observe really quick that um, when you when you gave us those examples, you really elaborated really well in each one of them. It wasn't just a one word or a couple words. You know, you you kind of supported your uh, statement with what reason why or why you liked it, and I just really and I really appreciated that. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because um, I, I use my dictation, which I'd highly recommend. It changes it because I've done this before. Like, what what do you what is your dream? Like, what are you what are your career goals? And when you just write down a word or write down. But if you say everything, get everything out of your head onto the paper, which I when I dictate, I can do that. So some mm -hmm. of that might not have made sense. But Krista, you're saying it did. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um it helps to get it out of your head onto a piece of paper. So when now I go back and prioritize, I can refine it and go, oh, right, what does that look like? Because maybe if I do a top five priority, some of those are going to be able to go into under one. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Eliminate all of it because, yeah, three of those might be able to go under one umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think if everyone can do this, our 2021, we're going to blow it out of the park, seriously, because we're going to go, this is what I need to focus on. And then Sherry will be our Apple uh, genius. <laughs> and we can, all the things we need, we're just going to throw it at her. She's going to ask the questions from Gen Z and all of these digital uh, gurus, gurus yep. are going to, to help us out. And we're going, going to go from, from black and white wizard of Oz to live and in color, baby. Here <laughs> we are 2021. Hey, you're going to have your own membership group for women like us that have no clue what we're doing and you're in charge and you teach. <clears throat> I, I see it. It's huge. This is a new paradigm shift. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of paradigm shift, we started out saying that we want to go into 2021 with the end in mind. And uh, Debbie, at one point, you said you love revelations yeah. and not revelations as what God reveals to you, but actual the book of the Bible. Okay. And we are going to be talking about that. We have a fabulous guest that's going to be with us. And uh, Scotty Smith, he wrote a book on Revelations, and he's going to join us. And we're going to keep the end in mind and hopefully be able to keep our big idea on staying focused, um, how, we're, how we're going to blend that all in. I think Sherry has, has our answers for that, maybe. Sure do, uh, because remember, we are just like the view, yeah. only we're nicer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true, but who, who are each of us? I must be whoopee. 
You are definitely whoopee. I'm yeah. whoopee. Yeah. Oh, I don't funny. think I know anybody else's names on there. There's a redhead. There's a blonde. I don't know, but yeah, they're um they're sassy. They're fun. They have a lot of wit. They've got some inspiration. You know, of course we're going to be inspirational. We have good stories, biblical encouragement. So that's all the reasons you want to stay tuned. You know, I've been looking up Scotty Smith. He's super big time. He's written books with Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yeah, he's, he's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. he is a big deal. Yeah. I know. I'm I'm super excited. What the world isn't doing on our show. I know. Well, we're lucky because you know we're like the view, only nicer. Yeah, hold that thought. We're going to be right back after this message with Scotty Smith as he talks about revelations. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcast cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com that's s-c-o-t-t at t-o-g-i-n-e-t r-a-d-i-o dot com all things girlfriend share welcome to girlfriend it hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? All right. Welcome back. As promised, we have Scotty Smith. Uh, he's our guest on the show today. You're listening to Girlfriend It. I'm Patty Lynn Wyatt with the Girlfriends. And Scotty is here from Tennessee. Uh, he was there as he pastored Christ Community Church in Franklin uh, for 26 years. And he has now written a book on Revelations, Hope in the Darkness. But Scotty, you have written several books. And we want to hear a little bit more about that. But tell us. Uh, I mean, the book of Revelations, I have to be honest, because 
Debbie here. She's she's enamored with revelations, and I I try to go into it. And and besides, um, what is the book that we all we all read? There was like darkness. Twenty of them. No, not from Frank Freddie. Left behind. Left behind. Series. Besides, yeah, that when you're one. intellectual like Scotty and I are, then you're more <laughs> interested in Revelation. Exactly. <laughs> uh, on, on a side note to that, when I was reading Left Behind, I actually had someone say that because I was like, "This is the greatest book." I mean, I was handing them out to my neighbors, and I had someone said, "You know, well, it's not like literature, Patty." <laughs> I was like, "Really? What does that mean? I don't know." <laughs> but I, I love that. So, Scotty, tell us about what inspired you to write on Revelation. Well, years ago, when we when we planted Christ Community Church, it was a unique community where, for some reason, a lot of artists decided to be a part of this church plant in Franklin. And one of our founding elders is a great jazz musician named Charlie Peacock. And uh, Charlie had moved from the West Coast with his wife, Andy, to the Nashville area and bought an old church he turned into his home, which became the art house. And this was a fabulous gathering place on Tuesday nights where we would come and I would teach the Bible and all kinds of believers and non-believers would show up and we would just camp out in the scripture. And uh, I taught several books and then there was kind of a group consensus. We've got to get to Revelation, which I did not readily want to do. Came from a late 60s background and that book that initially caused me a lot more confusion and fear than anything to peace, but it was really in writing, uh, studying and teaching at that time in the 90s through the book that the book of Revelation came uh, alive to me in a way that uh, I liken to my favorite country in the world, which is Switzerland, where if you go to Switzerland, you can see all kind of stuff, but don't miss the Alps. Like the Alps in the book of Revelation are what needs to be seen not trying to decode every single detail. So it, it's been a journey of being called into study. It has become, without a doubt, my favorite book to preach from. And it's not that I'm an expert. It's just that I need the revelation of Jesus that's in that, in that book. So, Wow. I've done so many churches that flat out refuse to teach revelation. Yeah. I'm blown away by that. And I know it's so controversial. Did you have issues when you started really preaching Revelation? Oh, yeah. Losing oh, yeah. people. Yeah, it, or early on, because and what I what I decided to do was when I first started preaching it through our church was to say, my goal's not going to be to try to tell everybody how wrong they were about the book and their background. For those like me, again, like I mentioned, being a child of the '60s, or they said, let's just listen to the text. Let's see what is here. And let's realize this book is a revelation by Jesus about Jesus to create hope for the church of every generation uh, looking towards the day of all things new. So, yeah, there was a little pushback, but I, I wisely, I think, did not try to uh, undo a bunch of stuff or just say, let's just camp out in the scripture in a fresh way, in a new way. So, Why, why would you say it's the most encouraging book in the Bible when you're... Yeah. We're saying it's it brings hope. It's, yeah. it's, it give give us some details and some specifics on that. Yes. Well, um, the first chapter of the twenty-two chapter book is kind of the dead giveaway that this is meant to be a book of hope. Um, when John begins to write his opening words, he makes it real clear. Uh, I'm receiving uh, a, a clearer revelation of who Jesus is 
by Jesus. So this is going to be a book that cannot be understood if I'm not principally looking for its focus and hero, which is Jesus. So as you go through the whole book, wearing the lens of the gospel, which is really who is Jesus, you begin to realize this book was meant for initially believers in the first generation of Rome who were facing persecution and all kinds of crazy making pressure. And the more they saw who the Lord is, the more they understood the gospel, the more they understood where the whole history of redemption is going. They could live with hope, not hype. We don't need spin, but hope biblically. Uh, N.T. Wright, uh, an English New Testament scholar, uh, gave me a good definition of hope. He said, basically, hope is remembering God's future into the present. Mm. So the more we see, here's Here's based on what Christ has done, who he is now, what he will completely accomplish when he comes back. We stay present and engage. We don't freak out and get filled with fear and just kind of hold on for an escape clause. So mm-hmm. uh, I used to teach a group of high school girls, seniors, uh, Girls of Grace. And we, we spent a lot of time talking about the rapture of Christ and Revelation. And they were like, no, I don't want to know any more about it. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to know what all that's going to be like. I don't want this to come back. And I dealt with that with my own kids. And I understand it. I get it. I felt the same way. But they have no idea what God has in store for us. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I would jump in at this level to say this. For instance, if we just took the last two chapters of Revelation alone, really just the last chapter, chapter 22, well, really 21, 1 through 22, 6, we get a vision of what um, Isaiah the uh, prophet first called a vision of the new heaven and new earth. In other words, John has, the apostle John now in his early 80s, Uh, is given this gift of here's what it's going to look like when not simply we are raised in newness of life and we receive our resurrection body, but here's what the entire gathered bride of Jesus from every race, tribe, tiny people group is going to look like, live like, love like in the resurrected, restored world. The Lord's not going to replace this world Mm. any more than he's going to replace our bodies. Um, New heaven and new earth is the destination of the fullness of life. And really what we begin to realize is what's in front of us is kind of the Garden of Eden on steroids. That uh, everything good we love about the first two chapters of the Bible finds its, its, its a blossom, bloom, garden, fullness in, in the end of the story. And if we see that, uh, we really do understand it's not, life is not meant to be lived by fear that uh, Jesus already is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And how timely is that, even living in the very day, season, and moment we are where there's just a lot of uh, confusion and a lot of misplaced hope in mere men. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great book. Mm. How about uh, you, you talk about the, the seven churches of Asia, or I say you, I mean, that's, that's in sure. Revelation. So that, unpack that a little bit because yeah that's when you get into you know is it allegorically speaking yeah. you know yeah. what's 
taking place here because I'm with Debbie. I was one of those high schoolers that I went to a church that our pastor talked about revelations a lot. And all I could think about was I better, I better be able to have had sex before Jesus returns. I mean, <laughs> I, well, quite literally when I, when I got engaged to my wife, Darlene, and we've uh, had just had our 48th anniversary. I mean, I remember praying, Jesus, don't come back before my honeymoon, please. You know, you know, I, I'm not sure it's going to be awesome, but let me, have this, but uh, but no, the the seven, the number seven itself in Revelation, as it is in Scripture, is not always a literal number. It's an expressive number of fullness and perfection, because in Asia Minor there were more than seven churches. It's just that what's beautiful about Revelation two and three is we get a composite picture of what Jesus wants for His bride in every generation and in every place. And when you study those seven letters together, you see here's what Jesus affirms, here's what he cautions about, here's what he calls us to have nothing with. And together we can begin in the study of just those seven letters to say, here's what a church alive to the gospel, alive to our calling to live in this world to God's glory. Here's what a healthy church family is going to look like. And a part of it is going to be even where you guys began. I love the opening word about how one of the gifts you want to give your listeners is a healthy self-awareness. You know, our culture calls that emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. But that didn't begin with, uh, you know, our, our favorite counselors. That concept of being aware of self in light of the God who made us and the God who, through his outrageous grace, is redeeming us, there are no more healthy people than those who understand what it means to be made by our God, coming alive by grace, and living in community with brothers and sisters that are just as broken in us, broken as us, but have a real hope. Father's going to complete a work. And so, yeah, I, the, those seven letters are just magnificent because they show each one of them how much Jesus does love his bride right now. So, but I think the reason why so many um, of the younger generations don't understand Revelation and are scared to death of Jesus coming back is because it's not been taught. Um, I, I know that my daughter, you know, there's the Revelation says there's a reward for those who are um, looking forward to the return of Christ. Sure. My daughter now has, thank you, Patty, has had sex. She's married. She's got kids. She's yep. got a beautiful home. She's got everything done. And now she's got some bills and she's like, well, I'm just going to throw it on the credit card because Jesus comes through anyway. And she said, and now I'm going to get a reward because I'm looking forward to Jesus. Coming. <laughs> it works that way. Well, and you, you're exactly right. And that's how so much of, uh, uh, in many times, Christian subculture can soundbite. You know, we are a generation of soundbites. And, uh, but even the concept of reward itself in Scripture is so beautiful because it's contrasted with wage. In other words, to really understand the gospel helps us be freed from any notion of self-preoccupation. Something's been done for me I could never do for myself. And so now even rewards, the theology of rewards would say, those are not the size of the mansion I'm going to live in in eternity. They're crowns and good stuff I throw at the feet of Jesus because I'm not building spiritual merit badges just to enhance, decorate my condo in the sky. But rewards are, again, nothing I earn. They are simply 
the opportunity for those kind of out of boys and out of girls that we ultimately just give our God praise for using a people like us to live redemptively in a very broken world. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Scotty, don't you feel like was it maybe in the seventies or maybe it was it the eighties that in church it was preached upon? Revelation was preached upon all the time. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. I was talking about that. We would go to like Sunday school or Richmond hours and we would spend weeks on Revelation and the second coming and the Lord's coming back. And we don't feel like we hear that anymore. Can well, you- yeah, I think a part, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. And if my wife was sitting here, she would say, Scotty, don't interrupt. <laughs> uh, the, uh, and, and a lot of the 70s, yes, unfortunately, the book was seen as something to be decoded or like this gigantic puzzle to figure out. And so there were charts and there were conferences and there were all kinds of experts showing up saying, no, I really understand every horn and wart and fingernail. And that is not the way the book was written. And so I think probably some in reaction to a lot of that kind of 70s and early 80s-ness kind of we said, it's just too weird. Just, just, you know, give me something I can understand. But that's what really led me, I think, in the 90s to begin to understand if I listen to this book and read it with the plain sense of the text, I'm not going to draw all those conclusions of all those charts and all those bells and whistles. I'm going to see the Alps and live with a profound understanding of who Jesus is and what he's doing in the world and, and why, of all people, we should be the best neighbors. We should be the most creative. We should be those who are most concerned about justice and mercy and human trafficking and all these things because all that brokenness has an expiration date and therefore we can risk showing up as a mission of people living and loving our neighbors and excelling in all of our callings, whatever they are. I mean, a lot of your audience, a lot of these ladies don't understand their call. They're, they're equal but different to men. I mean, that's been a part of the tragedy of even a lot of the uh, conservative church. We haven't celebrated women as equal image bearers of God. I mean, our first mom, you can go back to Revelation, and this gets recaptured. Excuse me, go back to Genesis. It's recaptured in Revelation. Adam and Eve were equal but different. I mean, uh, Eve's first calling wasn't to apple pies, baby making, and simply keeping hubby happy. It's a beautiful picture of Adam and Eve uh, called to fill the earth with God's glory together. And they all had each had unique um, opportunities and equipment to fulfill those roles. But Book of Revelation celebrates that our future is going to be far more the wonder of equality, diversity with the whole family of God from every nation living together in perfect society. So it's 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 an overwhelmingly freeing vision that's gotten lost to a lot of, I think, uh, minutiae. And the apps have been left behind, and we're studying Hershey, Hershey bars too much rather than the real chocolate. So yeah, yeah. you you're like getting me. You're talking my lingo, okay? I, I I'm excited. Uh, some of the words you said there about we need to be more creative. It's like you know, preach it because you know, as women, to really go, what are you called to do? Yeah. And and it's exciting if we really start um, looking at that and going, okay, God, here I am. My my hands are opened up. Yeah. I I want to be creative. I want to tap into you know Ephesians three twenty. We have 
the power of of who created the universe that can pour into us. We were created in his image. And it's exciting to hear you say that. Uh, a couple of things when you were talking about love, you know, loving your neighbors. I just had this conversation the other day about, you know, faith, hope, and love. And Paul saying, and, and love, obviously, is the number one. Yeah. And they mentioned because faith and hope we don't need anymore for eternity. But we will always have love. And you know how you hear something where you're like, okay, that had to, like, oh, okay, let me just digest that. Yeah. I never really thought of it that way. Uh, but I want to get into talking about love. Mm -hmm. And then maybe this isn't something to even go there because I know there's, you know, theologians all over the world that can talk about hell. But mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on on hell is it a physical place of fire and brimstone I, i'm just curious what if or or you can go patty i don't want to go there that's a whole nother no, no patty i was just impressed you were you were you were going here then bam you just went for the okay I'm let's just go with the h word let's just jump in right let's just cut to the chase here from sex to hell that's yeah i mean you know this is an exciting program so <laughs> let me say this about that again um one of the great uh parts of revelation is for our hearts to know that that evil has an expiration date mm -hmm. let's just understand that that hell is a reality that was never created primarily just to be thought of in terms of punishing certain people i mean we we long for the good the true and the beautiful of eden one of the reasons why we live with so much longing and we make foolish choices is God has hardwired us for beauty, for truth, for goodness. And if that's not found in relationship with him, we will sabotage that calling and create little idols, broken cisterns that cannot fill us up. Now, where am I going with that? We need to know that all evil and all brokenness, all violation of the good, true, the beautiful has consequence. And so when I think of hell, I think of the ultimate commitment of our God to, um, to bring uh, to an end evil and, and at the same time to say, those who willingly repudiate my grace bring upon themselves the calling to an eternity apart from me. And whether that's an actual place, you know, I, in some ways, I think it's scarier to think of hell as um, the absolute absence of the presence of God. Mm -hmm. To be in a realm, a place, a reality where, which is completely devoid mm -hmm. of life, of goodness, of relationship, of intimacy, of connection, of creativity. I mean, that to me in many ways captures what the Bible says about hell. At the same time, what Revelation gives us is a vision that the Bible never told a story of God bless us for and no more. I mean, the vision story, Scotty. Well, you know, if you were, for instance, to take one, one chapter, listen, the one snapshot in Revelation chapter seven, John, the apostle, he describes what he sees and he sees, uh, 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 you know, in God's goodness and faithfulness, a large number of the redeemed coming towards him. And he first of all catalogs through the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he says, and then I saw a number that no one could count from every single race, tribe, and people group. And he, he blows our minds with the fact that yeah. the biblical story of redemption uh, is a lot bigger. God's mercy math is a lot bigger than sometimes what we 
uh, and our, I think, wrong thinking limit a vision to the future and eternity to be. I had one professor in seminary. My first degree was at Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia, which I'm so glad I went there because I met my spiritual father who walked with me for 22 years. But one of my professors said, you know, if you go back and look in Genesis when God first called Abram to count stars, sand, and dust, and when you look at the fullness of these visions of God's gathered family, you know, maybe we're wrong in terms of thinking that the future is going to be a minority of us that finally get it right, but rally, rather a gigantic, enormous family that God is actively redeeming. And this professor actually said, uh, and I've never tweeted this, but I'll tell you guys this clearly, unashamedly, because he said, he said, I will not be shocked if the number of the redeemed outnumber the number of those that simply live in the absence of God's presence. Mm. And, uh, and again, that's not the point of this conversation today, but it is a way of saying, why do we need to read the book of Revelation? Why do we need to listen to it? Why do we need to engage? Because it, it highlights the fullness of eternal life for us in Jesus, and it calls us to be generous, we who have received grace, we give grace. We who, who really were never called to leave the vision of creativity now have motivation and means to live creatively, to, to say to every woman, to every man, where God has placed you, create beauty, leave it better. See, a part of the book of Revelation would say, so remember Adam and Eve were called to what? to nourish and to flourish wherever they were, whether it was in their love making, whether it was in their culture making, uh, leave it better. Uh, take the raw stuff of creation and create culture. And uh, we'll be doing that forever. The family will be complete. There'll be no more procreation, but we will live with every single relationship as perfect and as intimate as the best moment we've had with a spouse in this life. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's what God's promised, and uh, we want to understand that more fully and move towards it. So, mm. I'm some Jesus bumps right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm always saying, um, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, I'm ready. And people yeah. say, you know, oh, gosh, 2020. And I go, yeah, you know what? I'm ready to go. And a lot of people get mad at me. They're like, you should not be anticipating looking forward to that. And I can tell you, it's okay to look forward because the Lord even says, you'll know the season. And my whole spirit, my check in my spirit says, Lord, we are one day closer. And uh, right now I'm excited and I think it's okay to be excited. Do you agree? It's okay oh, to be excited. Well, not only is it okay, I think it's critical for two or three reasons. One, I mean, the scriptures commend that a love. In Philippians 1, Paul's language, it would be better by far to depart and be with the Lord. Mm. But, as Paul says, for the sake of you guys, I'm called to, you know, I'm not the point. I matter, but I'm not the point. So I want to stay and live in love. But I think uh, maybe a more profound reason in our day is to know that the longings that we have will only be completely fulfilled in our life in the new heaven and new earth. Mm. And if we know that, then we'll begin to realize I am foolish to think that if I had seven spouses of my dreams, if I had, if I could change anything about my kid, my worlds, my parenting, my story, it would not be enough. Mm -hmm. Only in the fullness of the life that um, God has won for us 
through Jesus and we will enjoy forever. Will that, will that be realized? And if I know that, then number one, I look forward to that. That's what, again, the biblical function of hope is. But it also means I'm going to be less likely to be discontent or foolishly think another job, another another bit of surgery, another lover, another situation will fill me up. It will not. Yeah. And so the wisdom we have of living with hope helps us engage in broken places with broken people right now. Yeah, and I feel like in that regard, I had a pastor say years ago, if you had the cure for cancer, would you withhold it from anybody? You have the cure for eternal life. You have the answer. And the last thing you ever want is somebody to know you and to say, how could you have not told me? Yeah, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. We want to, we want to, uh, there's enough of other kind of gossip running around. We want to gossip the gospel, you know, and it's just a way of showing and telling in friendship and community, not just the words we want people to understand, but, you know, Paul writes in the second Corinthians about when we are really living, uh, with, uh, a sense that the gospel is a treasure in a jar of clay. We start smelling like grace, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think our generation today needs less, less diatribe and more redemptive presence. I mean, there are enough people running around trying to be impressive when really our calling is to be present. And when we leak grace, when we smell like grace, non-believers, pagans, cynics, people that have written off the church a long time ago say, maybe they're, you know, maybe I was kind of rejected you know, a caricature of the real thing. And maybe um, the gospel far more is a substantive life than I ever really thought. So, Wow. Well, Scotty, uh, we can't thank you enough for being on the show. I love that. We need to be leaking grace. Imagine that, right? Mm-hmm. And gospel is the gospel. I love it. Absolutely. We would like to keep this conversation going. So tag, you are it. Please subscribe to our Girlfriend at Podcast by going to Apple iTunes. Girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. 